Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, journalist, researcher of all things weird, Aaron Sagers, currently seen on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Paranormal Caught on Camera. And soon, I'm going to just tease, keep an eye out, there's another announcement on the way that should be a pretty big deal, so watch this space, as it were, when we can talk about it. Well, as you know, it is spooky season once again, which means it is time for some haunted house attractions. And I talk a lot about supposedly real hauntings, but I love me some haunted houses. And the fact that I grew up in Orlando means that I was raised with like the best of the best of spooky houses. And I'm excited to be talking to my guest today. She is the Senior Manager of Creative Development and Show Direction for Art and Design Entertainment at Universal Orlando Resort. It's a big, long title, so you know that she has to do a lot. And she is responsible for leading the Creative Development Show Direction team through the creative process and execution of all Universal Orlando marquee events, such as Halloween Horror Nights, and if you pay the slightest bit of attention to Spooky Season and to Haunted House Attractions, you know Halloween Horror Nights. It's an event that I believe it's in its 31st year, and this year it is back with 10 Haunted Houses, 5 Scare Zones, 2 live shows, and lots and lots of themed treats. I think something like 75 themed treats. And it is running this year from... September 2nd to October 31st. And we are going to talk about not just this year's houses, but years past and some of her favorite houses and moments in Halloween Horror Night history. So, Laura Sauls, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk to you. You know, I'm I am a spooky nerd. I love uh, all kinds of not just Halloween, but all throughout the year. And you get to play in the sandbox all year round. That's that's pretty great. The- it is it's awesome. We are in Halloween Horror Night mode, uh, 365 around here. So we love it. Yeah, and well, uh, I mean. Just briefly give us that timeline because I've heard that the design or the the construction begins back in March. Uh, I could be wrong, but certainly the planning and the theming and everything begins. The storylines begin long before that. 
Um, yeah, so um, we uh, really start uh, creating, um, I know our marketing partners and our entertainment leadership really leans into IPs um, as early as possible. Um, and then uh, we get to start to create original stories um, all year round. We really do think about Halloween 365 um, and some of the original stories that we are currently working on for 2023's Halloween event. Um, we we kind of had conceptualized in 2021. So we're very excited to be working on Halloween throughout the year. Um, we start building our haunted houses very early uh, of the next uh, of this next year. So we'll start building houses, you know, in February. Um, we we live, breathe Halloween. Um, like I said, 365, but we love it. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that a little bit about the planning process. I want to talk a little bit about your background. Your 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 bio says that you've been with Universal Orlando for more than 20 years. Now, I did reach out to Michael Aiello, who is Senior Director of Entertainment Creative, a guy that I've known for a while. He told me that you got your start as a performer in the parks. Now, he believed that was part of the Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review, but I've also heard it was as a singing and dancing Bride of Frankenstein. Well, the Beetlejuice Graveyard Review had a singing and dancing Bride of Frankenstein, um, and that is where I got my start at Universal. Um, so the Universal Monsters um, have been a part of my career since day one. Um, and uh, with that, um, I then became a, a show director uh, for the team. I will tell you, I have a very fun and unique story for Halloween Horror Nights because the first things I did for Halloween Horror Nights in the uh, late 90s were choreographed the live shows. Um, I choreographed um, Inferno, which was a live show for us in 1998. I choreographed, I started choreographing the Bill and Ted Excellent Halloween Adventure in 1998. Um, so soon after I started here, I started choreographing for shows, um, helping direct parades, um, and then became a part of the show direction team. Um, when I was choreographing those Halloween shows, I called myself the purse holder for haunted houses. I'm a big Freddy cat and I would not go into haunted houses because I was at the time not also a fan of things that scared me. <laughs> so um, when I became a part of the show direction team and I believe um, I became a part of the show direction team in 2000 and I believe it was in 2002. Um, I was asked to be a part of the Haunted House team. And I looked at then director TJ Manorino. Now he is our vice president of art and design. Um, I looked at TJ and I said, you know me, right? And he goes, no, that's exactly why I want you on this team. You know what frightens you. And he goes, and we've been doing it for a long time and we want some, at back then, some fresh blood, if you will. So, um, I became a part of that um, haunted house uh, creative team, and I've never looked back. I am now. I love horror movies now. Um, I I um, love this genre, this this event. Um, I some of my uh, some of my best years are with the Halloween event. Um, I've really gotten the honor and the privilege to create so many amazing. Um, 
just scare zones and haunted houses. And now to be able to lead that team that does that, it is just, a, a, like I said, a great honor. Well, I guess that begs the follow-up question is what does scare you? What are some of the your your creepy crawlies, your monsters under the bed? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is very bizarre, but I am afraid of frogs. Deathly afraid of frogs. And what's funny is our show direction team knows that, and they try to put frog sounds and frog characters in our haunted houses. I'm like, no, they're not real frogs. They don't scare me in our haunted houses. So, but that is the thing that I am deathly afraid of. My husband laughs at that. He's like, frogs don't hurt you. And I'm like, I know, I just, they don't jump straight. So <laughs> that is that is my fear. Um, but again, um, you know, I think we tap into everyone's fears at the content we put into Halloween. I those early days, you know, as I mentioned, I'm originally from Orlando and I I think I must have been going during the early days. That would have been probably middle school or beginning of high school for me. And I know that if not the first year, it was pretty early on for me. And I, I have such fond recollections of that. And it seems like even though I can't say that I've gone every single year since, it's been a lot, I have these moments where I return to it. And I even remember, I think it was maybe 2004, going through and there was this event taking place of Halloween Horror Nights. I think there were these scarecrow mazes. It was a scare zone. And shortly around that time, there was also a hurricane coming through Central Florida. And I'm just I, I've never asked anyone about this, but I'm curious about how that impacted not just the operations of Halloween Horror Nights, but the creative direction when it seems like, wow, okay, all of our hard work might literally bo- blow away. Well, um, the team definitely, you know, works overtime in creating all of this stuff. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, there is a kind of... Um, Uh, a bit of a legend or a bit of a a superstition, if you will, for us here at Universal Orlando, that we stay away from live corn because that year we had the cornfield connecting the two two parks because that was a two-park kind of event. Um, That was the first year we actually planted and grew live corn and we had hurricanes. We then, when we did the Scarecrow House a few years ago, we planted live corn and we had a hurricane. So we stay away from planting live corn. Um, Even in our tribute store, they don't have live corn in there. It's it's a plant that kind of emulates corn. In our scare zone this year, first thing we went out to see, our, our scare zone in New York is called Sweet Revenge and it's celebrating a Halloween party. And we saw corn out there. I went up to it immediately and felt it to make sure it wasn't live corn. So it's a bit of a superstition around here that if, we plant corn, those hurricanes will come. So we don't plant corn. <laughs> <laughs> Any other, and I love that. I absolutely love that. Any other superstitions that, you know, in the theater, you don't say Macbeth, right? And there's lots of things that we don't do in the entertainment business. Any other specific to Halloween Horror Nights and Orlando? I mean, that's the biggest one. The corn is a pretty big deal here. Even um, when they were shooting our national commercial, we made sure that the corn that they were using for the scarecrow portion was not live. 
Oh, that's then, really cool. It's funny because people will look at you. People from outside of our walls will look at you like, are you serious? I'm like, nope, nope, we're dead serious. It happens. <laughs> What, what is, um, you know, since you did, since you transitioned into the Halloween Horror Nights development team, did you, what were some of your favorite babies, your children that you have in a special fondness for looking back? There's so many, there's so many. I, um, uh, I hate naming them, but there are so many, um, the original psychoscopy, I had the great pleasure of working on. That was just such an awesome house that first year over, um, in the discovery center, um, Hellgate prison, castle vampire. Um, there's just so many of them. Um, the all night Dians, um, and really working on this the scare zones as well all, every anniversary year really bringing back all those icons that we love um i personally got to be a part of the opening moment the care and caretakers year so i have a little special place in my heart for the caretaker and then in in 2000 jack's first year i got to choreograph jacked up which was the first show that you know featured jack so again jack has a sweet place in my heart um but it's really you know just getting to work on this content and getting over my fear very quickly of haunted houses um er originally <laughs> when i would go through those early um in the er my early years when i go through those haunted houses i would um to block the characters knowing I was scared, I would clap for them. And still to this day, so many of them know if I clap, I really got scared. <laughs> do you find, uh, it, you know, it takes a special kind of person to do this job because you're doing your job right when you are scaring other people. Do you have these moments where you see people exiting the houses and they're freaked out and they're screaming and you're like, all right, a job well done. <laughs> It's one of our favorite pastimes. The show direction team loves. You'll find us so many times just hanging out at the end of the houses because we love to hear the feedback from the guest experience once they come out of the house. And typically they may be running and screaming in fright when they leave the house, but then they fall into laughter. It's just something that your brain does that it really is the best of both worlds. Um, but it is something we love to do. We love to sit at the exit of the haunted houses. And sometimes we hear great critical feedback too, that really allows us to learn what people are liking, learn what people want more of, um, and just learn what people love about the haunted house. I, uh, it was a couple of years ago I did for a video for a story. I was a scare actor for a night at a, it was, it's called terror behind the walls. It's a not a uh, non for profit one in Eastern state penitentiary in Philadelphia. And I had such a blast that I, and I really, I, I have such respect for the actors who are, who are doing this job because it is grueling. It is physically demanding. It's a lot. And I, but I had such a blast, even though I was so worn out by the end of the night, but the, the joy that you elicit from, from scaring other people, from people screaming, uh, when you're intentionally trying to make them scream, it's, it's satisfying. Yeah. Our characters are the backbone of the event, right? The designs are incredibly beautiful, but if we didn't have those characters, it wouldn't bring us the scares. So we really do can't thank them enough for the, the work that they do and the commitment they have to scaring our guests and making that a completely immersive experience for our guests in our haunted houses and scare zones. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's talk a little bit about 2022. As I mentioned, there are 10 houses. And just doing a a quick rundown, we do have the um, Spirits of the Coven. That's a 1920s speakeasy with a uh, witch coven ingredient. There's bugs eaten alive for this kind of skin-crawling infestation. Sci-fi adventure, retro sci-fi adventure with roaches and spiders and everything. There's the Fiesta de Chupacabras, which involves our mythical fanged creature, very much for my paranormal people. And Hellblock Horror, which is horrifying monsters who are serving time. Dead Man's Pier, Winter's Wake, about a seaside village ruled by an undead fisherman. And then the bloodthirsty mutants living in a post-apocalyptic subway system and descendants of the of descendants of destruction now those are original concept houses but once again you are using uh, ip such as the universal monsters we have legends collide and that involves the wolfman the mummy uh dracula we have halloween john carpenter's halloween halloween returns and the weekend which is just a fascinating one that we need to talk about um, and then, of course, the Blumhouse houses. So uh, let's kind of overview. Did you have a mission going into 2022 and a overarching theme? Or was this, well, we just have these houses and we're going to put them on? Well, we really... We really ultimately every year try to really create a diverse slate so there is something for everyone. If we had 10 slasher houses, I think people that love slasher movies would be ecstatic, but not everyone loves a slasher movie. So we really want to diversify the content. Um, That's kind of what that's what drives us every year is to make sure we do have something for everyone. And like you said, um, the bugs eaten alive house kind of gives you that that comedy horror, you know, because it's set in the 1950s at this world's tech fair and BuzzCon. Um, This company is showing off their latest um, exterminator product that's supposed to heat the home, air condition the home and kill all those pesky pests in the home. But as we go into this um, showroom of BuzzCon, something goes wrong, right? Immediately something goes wrong. And this um, pesticide is not killing the bugs. It's mutating the bugs. The bugs aren't dying. They're multiplying. So again, that's that fun kind of horror. As you mentioned, um, Spirits of the Coven, that 1920s prohibition um, where these witches are enticing you to come into their speakeasy so they can turn you into their witch's brew, which then they smuggle to other covens around the world. Um, It's just a fun kind of, you know, witchy atmosphere, but it's a really fun era to kind of sink into. 
And then, you know, working with The weekend and his whole entire team, um, really getting into Abel's brain of what really he likes in the horror genre um, and really attacking those nightmares and extrapolating those nightmares into that house. For me, walking through that house the full for the first time with everything running, it's like really going into that after hours club with everything you want from a haunted house, right? With those scares, those those scares around every corner, but it's really the music and the lights um, really set it off as something new and unique um, to Horror Nights. Um, of course, working with the classic monsters, I have a place in my heart for those classic monsters. Um, we love telling new stories with the classic monsters. Um, the Bride of Frankenstein lives in last year's event, and then getting this opportunity to really tap into the 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 Dracula has a curse; he can't walk in the daylight, right? Um, Larry Talbot has a curse of the Wolfman and the Moon, and then Karis has the curse of wearing this amulet on his chest. So really, making these legends collide to really um, get to release their curses. They're all after that amulet to release their curses. Was It was just fun to create. But again, we really go into it trying to have a diverse slate. There's something for everyone. And with the Universal Monsters Legends Collide, this is also, uh, this is a bi-coastal event with Hollywood. Can you talk a little bit about that collaboration? Yeah, well, it was a great collaboration between both coasts in and really trying to get that story of all of these these universal monster legends coming together to really um, help uh, battle to kind of get that amulet to release their curses. Um, but both both coasts kind of wanted to set it in two different atmospheres and in two different places. Um, and both stories are very cyclical. If you see Orlando's first and then see Hollywood's second, that's okay. If you see Hollywood's first and Orlando's second, that's okay. The stories can work together. There's not a part one, a part two. They're kind of, they can live together. Um, and that was a great collaboration um, between our Universal Hollywood Partners and Orlando Partners. It was just a great collaboration. The same with um, The Weekend After Hours Nightmare. That was a great collaboration between our Orlando and Hollywood Partners in creating that haunted house. Um, so we really try to collaborate as much as we can. The, it's really ambitious. I want to stick with the Universal Monsters for a moment. First off, I am definitely a Universal Monsters junkie and absolutely love Anytime Universal embraces those classic characters, those classic IP, and uh, but this does seem like an ambitious endeavor. This kind of two parts, even if they're cyclical, two part kind of storyline. Is this the first time that that's happened? I know there's there's shared stories, and then there's different kind of space considerations depending on the house. But is this the first time there's been two parts? to a house and they're working in tandem with both coasts? Um, this uh, Bride of Frankenstein Lives was really the first time that the stories for both coasts kind of melded together. Um, both coasts had very different haunted houses, their settings, but the storylines were the same. I think it's the same for um, Universal Monsters Legends Collide is that the, the story beats are the same. They're just set in two different settings. And that really is to your point, um, the locations we both have to work with are very different on both coasts. 
the and with the weekend, it's you're dealing with this this artist, this musician who has become incredibly popular and is incredibly talented. And I think it's immensely cool that he has this idea for a haunted house and, and really his videos, his albums, they have a lot of themes that can lend themselves to this. But there is also the challenge of telling a story and, and you know how to tell a story as a haunted house. There is that challenge of working with this personality driven house, but still keeping it scary and satisfying to maybe people that don't know the weekend. So can you talk about the challenge and the balances of, of approaching that? Well, I mean, really, we were very excited um, to work with The Weeknd and with this After Hours album um, and all of those themes in his After Hours videos, short films. Um, we were very excited about that. Um, I do know we all were a little apprehensive of, OK, the music is very upbeat and you want to dance to it. Is that going to be something that um, in a haunted house is going to work with the scares? And I think overwhelmingly it does. Right overwhelmingly it does um and we got to try new things we got to experiment with new things with this ip you know really programming these awesome lights to the beat of the music was it's it's the first time we've ever done that within a haunted house um and that really adds so much to this haunted house but really again seeing some of those more showy like moments feeling those scares. I think it was just, it, again, a great collaboration and we really enjoyed working with um, our weekend partners um, and working with our USH partners because it was a great collaboration to bring those nightmares that are a part of the After Hours um, album to life. And just a quick side note, uh, is, it, is it accurate that Slash composed the music for the Universal Monsters Legends Collide? For the Universal Hollywood House, um, Slash has been doing their monster houses for the last couple years. Um, here at Universal Orlando, we tend to take a more, um, think, movie theater score for our haunted houses. So um, we have not yet had Slash compose any music for our haunted houses, but I do know Slash has composed music for not only Universal Monsters Legends Collide, but he also produced the music for the Universal Hollywood Bride of Frankenstein Lives House. Oh, cool. Uh, and you know, you mentioned the movie score, and I, I think that that definitely is evident when you walk through. It does have, it's very, uh, it, it definitely sets the tone for the experience about that we are about to have. It, something I've always wondered is I know there's an incredible amount of detail that goes into these stories behind the scenes and we're walking through for a couple of minutes each and we're seeing this and we're gathering the snippets of the story, but is there overall Bibles of what the stories are? And, and the follow-up is that, how can we see these? We, I, I, I'm, I would be, have such an appetite for reading the overall deep dive story on these houses? Uh, well, we do. We um, we fully flesh out a narrative for our, our um, creative treatments, all that stuff, so that when we're rolling out to all of our technical partners, production partners, our costuming partners, all those different groups and, and parts of entertainment that come together to really 
tell those stories within the haunted house, um, we do kind of deep dive into a more fully fleshed out story. Um, sometimes we're able to, you know, we have a couple podcasts um, this year that kind of take a deeper look into some of the stories. Um, I did, I did um, the podcast for uh, Dead Man's um, Pier, um, the Fisherman's Sonata story. Um, some of our team did, did um, Fiesta de Chupacabras. There's a backstory of one of the characters in that house on the podcast, uh, as well as we deep dived into some of the other haunted houses and scare zones. Um, so those podcasts are a way to kind of hear more of that story. But yeah, we don't really publish any of those stories. I know there are there is a fan base for that, um, but we don't really publish any of those deeper stories yet. I and I apologize. I didn't know that there was a podcast dedicated to this. Can you plug that for me? What's the name of it? What's the um, official name? Yeah, and Sarah, I might ask you. It's the Universal Orlando podcast. It sh should be able to find it on our universalorlando.com. Um, and you should be able to find each one of these Halloween Horror Night stories on that podcast. Okay, great. And and with the Halloween, the John Carpenter's Halloween podcast, and the and I am actually just I'm going to take a brief detour that Sarah, our publicist in the background, has mm -hmm. let me know that it's called Discover Universal, and we'll acquire that link as well. But with the John Carpenter's Halloween House. Obviously, we have this new trilogy of Halloween, which is a direct sequel to John Carpenter's films. But there's also previously been Halloween houses at Halloween Horror Nights. So what was the decision to bring this back? And is this the same Halloween uh, horror house that we saw before? Or is this a, a, a revamp of it uh, and so forth? Well, we really wanted to bring to Halloween Horror Nights where Halloween began. Um, and so we really wanted to tap into that 1978 film, um, which we have done a house based on that original film before. But really this year we wanted you to be able to come to Halloween Horror Nights and see where Halloween began and then go to the theaters um, and see where how it ends. Um, we really felt that was an awesome opportunity for us this year. And really examining that um, original movie again and really examining it in ways that we hadn't before. Um, I know a few things that we talked about in the creative room this year is that the car was such a, a, a character of it, uh, in its own. Um, and so we wanted to make sure we saw the car um, taking you to the asylum. We wanted to see those patients that are in you know, early in the film, we wanted to kind of take you step by step through the film, um, seeing young Michael, then going into the title sequence, just so you felt like you were really in the movie. So there are definitely places we have done this house before, but there are definitely places that we've never been to in some in our in our past haunted houses for Halloween. Okay. I know we're running out of time here, and I do want to. Oh, man, we didn't even get to the food and the live shows and everything. There's so much happening this year at Halloween Horror Nights. I guess the the thing I have to ask is because I do talk about spooky topics, and I think sometimes places that are not intended to be haunted or spooky, who knows, it might stir up 
certain kinds of activity. Has anything weird ever happened in the houses where you start to think, this place might actually be a haunted house? Um, not to my knowledge, although, you know, we're in Florida and bugs are synonymous with getting into places in Florida. So um, one of the first times we walked through the bug house and one of the uh, first days the, the actual fake bugs were put in, a moth flew in front of my face and I was jumped out of my skin. <laughs> Um, but I don't, I don't think we've had any real spooky moments happen yet. I mean, we're only 31. We've got several years to go. You never know. <laughs> Still alive and kicking. I, I like it. Well, I, and yeah, the, the bugs thing. I mean, J Michael Myers is, that's always going to be able to startle me. And the bugs thing is what's going to creep me out and make me just, you know, kind of, shake and get the willies and everything that's that's yeah. that's the level of experience for me and laura again we have halloween horror nights it's featuring 10 haunted houses five scare zones two live shows 75 themed treats and beverages such as 100 percent ground princess which is sort of like a rice crispy treat, but it, instead it's ground princess uh and halloween horror nights orlando runs from september 2nd to october 31st and thank you laura Sauls, senior manager of creative development and show direction for art and design entertainment at universal orlando for joining me uh today to talk all things halloween horror nights 31 and years past and for everyone out there until next time be kind stay spooky and keep it weird Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.